Welcome to Jurassic World. Welcome to Jurassic World Minute. We visit Jurassic World one minute time. I'm Brad. And I'm Dave. And on this episode, we're discussing Minute 106 of Jurassic World. Before we get to that, David, heading over to Jurassic-Wikipedia.com, we have another one of the uh, actor spotlights up here on the um, the real life actors behind the characters on the film. And uh, we lost Hoskins a couple of minutes ago, so one final time heading over there. I'm going to have a look at Vincent D'Onofrio's uh, article at the top over there for his biography and uh, a little bit of information about the uh, the actor. Yeah, um, this was another one of our new actor articles, this one by uh, Everything JP. I did not realize that his father's name was Gennaro or that they met his parents met in Hawaii. That's kind of both <laughs> very coincidental. <laughs> uh. I, did know, I did know he was in Full Metal Jacket, um... He was on Law and Order for a little bit. That's what I kind of remember him from a lot of. Yeah, we, when I was we, younger. Yeah, we touched on a little bit when he um, was introduced back at the Raptor enclosure at the start of the film. I think uh, Men in Black was my first, <laughs> um, even though it's not supposed to be him for half the film. But uh, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, doing some good stuff now. Just coming off uh, Daredevil and that sort of thing on the Marvel mm-hmm. TV, and always look forward to seeing him on screen. He played. Um... Kingpin, didn't he? Mm. Yep, very unhinged. <laughs> very violent. But, uh, yeah. It's funny because in Full Metal Jacket, the scene where we get introduced to Arlie Army and um, uh, Arliss Howard, who played Peter Ludlow, and all the other, the rest of the cast and all that, the scene where Arlie Army told him to choke himself <laughs> he couldn't stop laughing and that's the that's what we get in the final movie was that just him trying not to laugh and a lot of that scene was off script it was just Arlie Ermey doing what he actually <laughs> would have done as a drill sergeant because he wasn't actually brought in to act as that character he's brought in to be an advisor to the actual actor and they just liked him better than the actor <laughs> the Oh, we're subbing you out and using the real guy. <laughs> <laughs> so right. yeah, a lot of that, a lot of that scene went off, very off script. <laughs> it's just funny because Vincent D'Onofrio couldn't stop laughing all through the entire scene, yeah. and that's what we get in the movie. Yep. <laughs> oh, great stuff. 
so yeah, head over to jurassic-pedia.com and check out that. There's uh, a few other art- actors, spotlights, articles going up as well. So go over there, have a read through, and we might touch on some more in the future. <gasps> Larry, we're headed your way, calling a chopper. Uh, Dave, we're in again at minute 106. I am. All right, minute 106 of Jurassic World opens with Alan reaching out to Blue and ends with the raptor pair running for the Indominus. As the tense situation continues um, into 106, Alan's hand is outstretched by Blue's head, uh, much like Hoskins earlier, but uh, he's not going to lose his hand here, of course. Uh, as everyone looks on, Alan unclips the harness and it uh, lets it drop to the ground, and then he risks a smile and says, that's it. I'm not quite sure why he's smiling because <laughs> maybe just because she hasn't eaten him yet. He's been <laughs> able to reach out and take the harness off, so he thinks that um, she might be back on his side. Well, it's interestingly, for a, smiling is kind of a uniquely human thing where baring our teeth is seen as a sign of friendship and kinship. <laughs> towards another human whereas for most animals like raptors dogs even <laughs> chimps baring your teeth is seen as a sign of aggression mm. oh yeah i'm surprised oh, i'm probably lucky the raptors don't see it as a sign of aggression <laughs> <laughs> well at least blue doesn't doesn't yeah yep this time but then a big gray spanner gets thrown into the works as the indominus snarls and walks onto main street finally arriving on scene um, it walks right up to them casually and starts talking to the raptors, uh, pretty much asking, what are you doing? Kill them. <laughs> <laughs> and again, we, we sort of get some of that just clicking and sound communication between between Indominus and Blue. Um, and that's when it happens, Blue turns and pretty much tells Owen it's going to be okay, I love you. <laughs> I love you. Yeah, I... <laughs> I'm not a big fan. Yes, you can snarl, bark, that sort of thing, but this little series of clicks and almost verbaling out its mouth. Uh, but, um, I'm not a massive fan on. I'm. I was never really a big fan of Owen simply petting Blue. It happens here and in Fallen Kingdom, and in both times, I think I feel it's cringy mm. and. The fans defend it all the time, and I'm just like, sorry, I don't like it. Yeah. yeah. Especially, we've established that earlier, yes, the Raptors were taking his training on board, but he still mm-hmm. couldn't get in there with them. Even he tells the kids when um, later on that they are dangerous, and um, he didn't want them let out in the wild mm-hmm. on the island, so did yeah. Masrani, and it's sort of, well, yeah, you know it's dangerous, so why would you push the push the even further by touching her <laughs> like well we seem to establish this whole theme through the movie of don't stick your fingers in the cage and then he goes and pets her <laughs> like that kind of goes against the entire thing you were setting up with the raptors you know especially when we've just seen hoskins sort of do a similar thing with delta by holding his hand out Okay, he didn't get close enough to pat her, but I'm sure if, if she continued to stay there with him holding his hand out, eventually he probably would have gotten patted her on the snout just to say, hey, there you go. Just like just like patting a dog. Mm-hmm. You want to you get it, um, find that scratchy spot, so it <laughs> bends to your submission, bends to your will. 
And at least at least you can have the Raptors as Friday 18, not as vicious as what we've seen previously. But we know at any time they can sort of, if you get too close, they can be dangerous. But yeah, mm-hmm. then you turn around and let Owen just patter or put his hand on her head. It, um, it does really just take all the danger completely out of it. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But uh, Owen smiles as Blue screams at the Indominus, pretty much changing sides. We're going with him, not you. And heartbroken, the Indominus roars, and with one swing swipes <laughs> with a long arm and Blue's scent flying over, uh, over the water feature there and into the concrete wall of the Starbucks. <laughs> and she's down, <laughs> not moving at all. So... That's what happens when you cross the Indominus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then uh, the Indominus pretty much looks back at him, going, it's Rodeo, who's next? And it's both Echo and Delta snarl at the Indominus as Owen closes, or does the uh, one thing he can think of and whistles, uh, knowing they're back on his side. And as the Millennials, the two Raptors race forward uh, to do battle with the Indominus, and the final fight begins. Mm-hmm. I know the changing sides thing back and forth was somewhat of a point of contention with me when I after I first saw the movie because it kind of seemed kind of con- overly convenient. I mean, I've kind of made peace with it now. But even when I just think about it, it's just like, it's kind of just too convenient for me, you know? <laughs> well, especially early when they're talking to the Adomus and all four sort of turn on Owen as one and look at him they sort of all seem to make the same decision at once. They don't um, look to Blue for guidance. We're here. It's Blue that's getting the camera harness taken off. And then she's the one that turns and growls at the Indominus. And all of a sudden, well, okay, Delta and Echo are just going to go with that. You don't mm-hmm. see any of their reaction until after Blue's sort of swatted out of the way. Yeah, it is It is convenient. It's, I suppose it needed to happen. But then, since saying that too, as we get in the next couple of minutes... I think Delta's going to get laid out as well, so it's only going to be really Echo taking on the Indominus by herself for the most part until uh, more teeth arrive on the scene. Mm-hmm. It is, it is a shame, especially at night time. The Raptors were hard enough to distinct between each other during the daylight, <laughs> but now they're going to be running, jumping, leaping over each other on the Indominus. It's going to start losing track of who is pretty quick. <laughs> um <laughs> But uh, heading over to the novel briefly, uh, as Owen reaches for Blue's harness, he says, or he speaks quietly, when she was born, she looked right at me, right into my eyes, like this, like she's doing now. So a little bit of dialogue there. Um, They can hear the Indominus coming before we see it. Blue turns, but uh, Owen says, no, no, (laughs) stay with me. Come on, girl. Trying to uh, get her attention back on him and not the Indominus that's approaching. Claire, Zach and Gray just look at each other during the scene and ask what was happening. <laughs> Confused about the uh, the bonding moment between Owen and Blue. Uh, the Indominus hits Blue, sending her sliding across the ground. Blue withers and howls, deeply wounded, so she's injured a bit more in the uh, in the novel. We'll have to pay attention to later when my most hated scene in the film happens and she comes back on the scene. I'm pretty sure she comes on from the lagoon end of Main Street, so... I'll have to look look at that when we get there. Maybe she uh, circles around to come at the back of the Indominus. Yeah, yeah, that's possible. Yeah, as Echo and Charlie come to uh, Owen's side, he slowly motions towards uh, shiny 
steel merchandise booth stacked with hats, stuffed animals, and T-Rex soda cups, and tells <laughs> Claire to get the boys inside. So that sort of leans into next minute, um, but it happens here before the Raptors go at the Indominus, and it sort of explains why they go into that little <laughs> that little merchandise booth where hey, you wanted to go to the control room, the Raptors are outside, how about you turn around and go back in the Innovation Centre? I bet the Indominus won't be able to go too far in there after you. It's it's weird here how the plan to get to Lowry and the control room just completely went out the window with um, mm-hmm. with the Raptors being on the scene. I gotta say, I'm not... I'd be interested in seeing the scene with the dialogue because the dialogue is interesting, but I'm not sure if the scene warrants it, you know? I mean, the scene still works without the dialogue, but I'd like to see the... I'd like to be able to see the difference, you know? Mm. I wonder also, too, like, yes, okay, we're about to go into this final battle. It probably wouldn't be the spot for it, but as he's sort of talking softly to Blue, um, informing the others and the audience that... um, when Blue was a baby, she used to look at him like this as well, looking intensely and what what have you. You may have been able to get a little snippet, like a flashback of what we see in Fallen Kingdom with him kneeling and um, and Baby mm-hmm. Blue being on the ground. Yes, that was going to come in Fallen Kingdom, so they didn't do it earlier, but you could nearly sort of have a bit of show-not-tell there as well. But mm-hmm. I wonder if the, uh, the Raptors are a little bit smaller in the novelisation because here pretty much Blue's almost looking down at him as well with how, yeah, really. how tall she is so mm-hmm. um, well it's interesting because I'm looking again at the spot where Blue hit the wall and she cracks that she not only cracks that concrete but her tail whipping back cracks uh, smashes a hole in the window <laughs> and then she's laying there with her eyes open as if she's dead yeah yeah which I'm I don't know if it was meant to uh, be more of a surprise when she comes back later on in the film, but it... oh, I was definitely surprised at it. I, I mean, when in sitting in the theater, I saw the smash concrete. I assumed she was dead. I forgot it was blue. I thought it was either Delta or Echo, and that was the last because I remembered we only had two Raptors on the Indominus at the final mm-hmm. fight. So I thought that was another Raptor down for the count and out, and not blue herself. But we mentioned back during the Unimog chase where. Like Echo gets sideswiped into the tree, the whole Raptors air air pockets in their bones, light and light and strong, that sort of thing, built like birds, but um, nearly impossible to kill, as Rob Muldoon said in the original novel. Here, being slammed up against the the concrete, it's it's a pretty hard hit, and for mm-hmm. her to come running back on the scene later, not limping, not sort of showing any. We'll have to see in that CG model later if there's any blood or damage to the hips or anything. But, um... Well, speaking of which, I just noticed that the Indominus still has the chunk in her shoulder from where she clawed out her tracking. Mm. And it might just be the night darkening it, but it looks like it is starting to scab over. Yeah, well, it's got to be, be at least 10, 10 hours or so since it happened now. Yeah. So I'm surprised it's not covered in flies, but I suppose then you'd have to <laughs> CG all the flies buzzing around. <laughs> That'd probably be a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah I, just, I can see why they'd skip that. Yeah, just thinking about the novels whenever we see a dead carcass, especially on sauna. Just 
the cloud of flies that are hovering over, or even even um, the Rex nest in the film, with um, <laughs> Roland swatting flies away. But that's uh, that's minute one hundred six, Dave. I think we filled it out pretty well. How about we get out here today? Yeah, sounds good. 